Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 535. Look at Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Let's read our passage. Since I am speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she is married to another man while her husband is living, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. Then, if she is married to another man, she is not an adulteress. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, since we have died to what withheld us, so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the old letter of the law. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Paul is writing this letter from Corinth on his third missionary journey. His intention is to go to Rome after he returns to Jerusalem with the collection. His desire is to build up the church in Rome, the capital city of the Roman Empire. And that's Paul's strategy, is to go to the major centers, the major commerce centers, major governmental centers, areas that are major ports where there's a lot of coming and going, so people hear the gospel and take the gospel to far-off places. That's the intent of his desire to go to Rome. And he's providing for them a theological explanation of the gospel. The gospel is simple enough in its pure form of you're a sinner separated from God, and faith in Jesus Christ will result in justification by God, adoption by God, and eternal life. But they don't have a whole lot more than that. They have the Old Testament, but the New Testament hasn't been written yet. And so Paul's providing this letter as some more theological background for the church in Rome. He began talking about sin, the fact that everyone is a sinner separated from God. If you know nothing about God, nothing about the law, nothing about the Old Testament, you should still know there is a God, that you fall short of his standards just by viewing the, the world around you. And so there's no excuse if you've never heard anything about Judaism or Christianity. The fact that there is a creator who has standards is obvious, so there's no excuse. So everyone's a, a sinner separated from God under judgment. And it doesn't talk a lot about the Jewish people. They're not a special case because they have the law. They know who God is. They are under God's judgment also. And the only solution to this judgment is be declared righteous by God. Justification. And that occurs through faith. So Paul's argued for the first three chapters about justification by faith. Then he gave the example of Abraham, a man who was justified by faith. And those who are justified by faith now are the true spiritual descendants of Abraham. In chapter 6, he was talking about the idea of being free from the bondage of sin. Either a slave of God or a slave of sin, there is no middle ground, there is no third option. 
And so to participate in the death of Christ is also to die to sin and then be a slave to God, a slave to righteousness, a slave to obedience. Let's continue that thought process in chapter 7, but now he's talking about being released from bondage to the law. And so it begins in chapter 7, verse 1. Since I am speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? There's a lot of debate here. What does he mean by law? Does he mean just general law and order? Is he talking about the Roman law? Or is he talking about the Mosaic law? And people make good arguments all over the place on these things, but I, I tend to side with those who say he's talking about the Mosaic law here. He's talking about the law of the Old Testament, not the entire Old Testament, but specifically the law part, the first five books, the laws of Judaism, the law. But the question here, he says, since I am speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to the church in Rome. And the church in Rome is probably primarily Gentile, not primarily Jewish. Now, there would be a few Jews, but probably not a lot. The Jews were driven out of Rome at one point, and it probably went all that long ago. Some have probably come back. So who is he actually speaking to here? There's probably a few Jews in the church in Rome, but there's also some Gentiles who practiced Judaism, what we call the God-fearers. They never fully became Jews, but they did believe in Judaism before they became Christians. So you have a few Jews probably in the church. You have some God-fearers, that is Gentiles who practiced Judaism because they weren't ethnic Jews. They probably weren't kicked out of Rome when uh, Claudius demanded that the Jews leave Rome. But anyone who's been in the church for any particular amount of time has been exposed to the Old Testament. They know something about the law. And so it's not out of the question for Paul to say, I'm speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters. I think he is referring to the Mosaic law. Because up to this point, that is what he's been arguing about, is that the law does not save you. The law does not justify you. And anyone who has been following the law is still a sinner, separated from God because of sin. What the law did was make sin more known. And I think that's why he's going to continue arguing through chapter 7. He says, don't you know the law rules over someone as long as he lives? Okay. Verse 2. For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. Okay, this makes sense. This is biblical. You're bound by marriage. But if the spouse dies, then that marriage is dissolved. You're free to marry another. Verse 3. So then, if she is married to another man while her husband's living, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. Then, if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. He's just stating the facts here that if a spouse dies, the surviving spouse is free to remarry. The death has broken that bond has broken that contract, that covenant, the, as he calls it, the law of marriage was broken by the death of one of them. Now, that was the example. Now he's going to 
bring it back to real life. Verse 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law, through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. Some people get a little concerned here because in the example, the woman's husband dies, and now she is free to be married to another. Now, he says, you died. You were put to death in relation to the law. So you're the one that died. So he's not dealing with the survivor. But I wouldn't make too much of that. His point is death severed the law. Death ended the law. Death severed the bond. And so dealing with the law, we, he's been talking about we're free from sin because we died to sin. We died with Christ. We related to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So he was talking about that with relation to sin in chapter 6. Now he's basically saying the same thing with relationship to the law in chapter 7, that we participated in the death of Christ, and because of that death, that severed the rule of the law over people. And he says, just like in a marriage, now, the surviving spouse can marry another. Here, you're the one who died, but you can belong to another. Where you belonged to the law, now you belong to Christ. That you belong to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Now, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused to the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. He's going to talk more about the whole issue of sin and the law. But he uses, I mentioned earlier that sometimes he uses sin, not just as actions, but as a power, a force. And he basically uses four different words for these forces in the old self, the old age, the prior existence. Sin, law, flesh, and death. We're under the power of the flesh. That's our sinful desires. We're under the power of sin, under the power of the law. And he's talking here about the law, the death that we participate in Christ in has freed us from bondage to that power. And then death, he speaks of as a power. So he uses all four of them in verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, so we see flesh and sin, aroused through the law, there we see the law, who were working in us to bear fruit for death. So all four of these powers that were authoritative over our lives in the old self, in the old age, they've now been abolished. Verse 6, but now we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law. It's really, it's a pretty simple message that he's got here in, in verses 1 through 6. He uses the example of marriage, that death ends the marriage, and that your spouse has died, you're free to remarry. And so he's used that as an example, but then saying, and so death, the death we participated in in Christ's death, ended that relationship with the law. And just as we've been free from the bounds of sin, we're also free from the bounds of the law. So instead of sin, instead of being a slave to sin, we're now a slave to God. And instead of being 
under the authority of the law, we're now walking in the, the newness of the Spirit. And so the question we would come up with here is, so why did God invent the law? Was the law a bad thing? As we continue through chapter 7, he's going to answer the question, no, no, the law was not a bad thing. The law was from God. But what it does is reveal the badness where we were and just amplifies our need for a Savior. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.